Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. I tell you what, I am uh, so excited about what God's doing in the life of our church, and I'm also excited about our new series that we kick off today, The Gospel at Work, as we begin to study through and we begin to preach through the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Acts. You're in the New Testament, right past the Gospels, okay? Once you get towards Luke and John, be looking out for Acts, all right? We're going to get to study an incredible book of the Bible together over the next, really the next few months. And as you turn there... Here's the idea behind the message. What we are going to see in the entire book of Acts is the gospel at work. And today we begin to see this, the very gospel at work in your life and my life and how the very gospel works through your life and my life, in the lives of our families, our friends, and our communities. Now, as you turn your Bible to Acts chapter one, I got a question for you. Do you like sequels, movie sequels? Not, I don't know about you, but I'm just not a, a huge fan. Of, there's just very few movies that sequel well, right? That continue well. And I don't know what your favorite sequel is, if you have one, even if you're out there. But well, listen, some sequels are sorry, and some are really good. But either you love them, or you hate them in the house today when it comes to sequels. Now, I'm going to share with you my favorite sequel of all time. About 20 years ago, I was a teenager. My youngest brother was just a little boy. And there came out a movie about Andy's toys. Do y'all know what movie I'm talking about? We, we were first introduced to this guy right here. There's a snake in my boots. You know, you remember this guy, Woody? Man, we were first introduced to Andy's toys. And I loved it. Even as a teenager, I thought, this is really good. It can't get much better in animation than the Toy Story, right? And later on, we were introduced to characters. Let me set Woody up here. Y'all keep an eye on him. If he moves, don't tell me. That'll freak me out uh, in the message time. We were introduced to a guy like this, Buzz Lightyear. Man, how cool is this guy? I love Buzz Lightyear. Loved this guy. Loved every time he was on the screen. We also were introduced to characters like Little Bo Peep and, and all these incredible characters in Toy Story. And here's the deal. 20 years ago, the first one came out. This past year, Toy Story 4, a yet another sequel of Toy Story came out, and it was absolutely incredible. Not only was there a Toy Story 1, but there's a Toy Story 2, and three, and this past year, Toy Story 4 came out. And listen to this, you ready? In the global box office, it made more than any other animated film in all of history. You know why? The continuation or the sequel of Toy Story 1, Andy's toys just kept getting better and better and better, and here's the deal too. Um, all, of, all the sequels, man, there's some good ones, there's some bad ones. I, I would argue Toy Story's done a really good job. But then they introduced this guy. How many of you guys have seen Toy Story 4? This dude right here weirded me out. <laughs> uh, I watched the movie and I went home and every time I blinked my eyes, I saw him, right? He was in my dreams at night. This is Forky. They went a little off the charts with this guy right here, okay? And really the whole entire movie, he just said, I I'm trash, I'm trash, I'm trash. And it really just got a little bit weird. And when it comes to sequels, sometimes that we begin, but at the very heart of the word of a sequel, 
what we begin to see is that all sequels are just a continuation of the story. Now, there's some new parts to the story that we see here with Forky, right, in Toy Story 4. But as we begin to dive into the book of Acts in a message, a series of messages entitled The Gospel at Work, what we are going to find in functuality that Acts is a sequel to the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Sequel means it's a continuation and that is exactly what Acts does. Trust me, church family, listen to me. I don't know what kind of sequels you've seen, but the sequel that is the book of Acts will not disappoint you. I promise you that. Whereas the gospels conclude in the most part with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what we find is a continuation of Jesus's story in the book of Acts. In fact, Acts is going to give us three decades, glimpse into an insight into three decades of the life of the church. It's just an incredible work. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter one. And as you do, I want to share this little phrase with you, okay? As a church, this becomes a little bit of our motto. At Connect Church, we're not a museum for people to come and see. We are a movement of God to mobilize his church to take ministry outside of these walls into the marketplace. And you know what I love about the book of Acts? Is we see exactly what that looks like. We see that very heartbeat fleshed out here in Acts chapter one. So let's dive in together. You ready? Oh man, that forky thing really just messes with me. Acts chapter one, it reads like this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now, churches, we dive in. Here's my question. Who's my? And what book did that guy write? Like, who's the mind in this passage? And what book did he write? Now, here's what we begin to see and what we know from tradition that Luke, Luke is the author of Acts. We're first introduced to Luke in Colossians chapter four, verse 14, where Paul calls him the doctor or the physician. We see in other places, like in 2 Timothy 4, 11, and Philemon, various places that, that Luke is a companion of the apostle Paul, that he travels with him. He's done a lot of work with Paul. In fact, if you go later on in Acts, you're gonna find even some passages with Paul where the writer of the book of Acts starts talking about, we did this, we went there, we saw this, they're called the we passages of Acts, and it puts Luke right in the heart of what God was doing, and thus, Luke is the very author of the book of Acts. You're like, you know what, that name's familiar. Luke, he's the author of Acts. What could his former book be? Well, you, you guessed it. It's the gospel of Luke, right? It's the gospel that bears his very name. In fact, take your Bibles and turn a few pages back and go with me to Luke chapter one, starting in verse one. We've read how Luke kicks off his book of Acts, but what does it look like when he kicks off his gospel in Luke chapter one? Here's what he writes. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from whom were the first eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, listen to his words. He's not just saying, well, I heard some people say something about this. He's saying, Man, listen, I've investigated to this. I've not just believed blindly. I've looked into this. He says this, from the beginning, I decided to, to write an orderly account for you. Now watch this, most excellent Theophilus, 
so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Now, there's that name again, Theophilus. Who is this guy? Now, we don't know a lot about him in scripture, yet this is the two times we find his name most prominent, and it's as Luke writes his gospel to Theophilus and the book of Acts of Theophilus. Now, what a great name, Theophilus. Theos, right, means God. Philos is from um, the idea of this brotherly love. It's where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love from. So really his name means a friend of God or a lover of God. Listen, if you're gonna join a church, it's a great name, right? So if you have any kids from here on out, boy or girl, go with Theophilus, right? They're set up really well. And as we begin to think about who Luke addresses his gospel, the book of Acts 2, here's one of two things. We know this, Theophilus, by his very title in the gospel, Luke, most excellent, means that probably he had a strong Roman name, and therefore he was some type of Roman dignitary or official. But why he's writing him is still a little uncertain. It's really one of two reasons. Number one, Theophilus became a believer in Jesus Christ, and Luke is writing his gospel to him in the book of Acts in order to shore up his faith, to give him an apologetic for his faith, to give him instruction about Jesus and how to follow Jesus, and that's a good plausible route. But here's what I really think this is. I really think that Luke, in all of his travels, somehow met Theophilus, and Theophilus had questions about Christianity and what Luke had believed. And I believe very well that Luke could have written his gospel and the book of Acts to a lost man by the name of Theophilus in order to win him to Jesus Christ. In a sense, Theophilus very well could have been Luke's one. Remember last week, if you weren't here, we kicked off a campaign. Who's your one? Who's that one person in your life, man, that, you, that you're willing to love and serve and share Jesus with? Who's somebody you'll commit to pray with and to bring them to Christ in this next year? And here very well, we may be reading a book that was sent out to Theophilus in hopes that he would place his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Very well, Theophilus could have been Luke's one. Hey, church, let me ask you a question. Who's your one? I think of what Luke does. He writes an entire gospel. He writes an entire book of Acts in order potentially to save and to reach out and to save one man. He goes to great lengths. And the question this morning is this. What lengths are you willing to go so that the one who God puts on your heart and in your life, what lengths are you willing to go to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who's your one? Maybe, very well, maybe. Theophilus was Luke's one. Let's continue here as he writes. He says, after his suffering, meaning Jesus, he presented himself to them, meaning the apostles, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Listen, not just talking about it, but actual evidence to prove that he was alive. He appeared to them for over a period of 40 days and spoke with them about the very kingdom of God. So here's the timeline, you ready? Jesus dies on the cross, three days later he rises from the grave, and the Bible says that for 40 days, Jesus continued to walk with the disciples, teaching them about the very kingdom of God. Now what's amazing is, is in Luke's gospel, we find examples of the proof of Jesus' resurrection on the Emmaus Road in, in Luke chapter 24 through 13 through 32. To Peter, Jesus appeared after his resurrection, Luke 24, 34. And Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection in Luke 24, 36 through 43. 
Now, note what Paul, who Luke was a companion of Paul's, worked with him in ministry. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 5 through 6. And that he, meaning Jesus, appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. What is amazing is that whether it's Luke or Paul, they are attesting to the fact that not only did Jesus die, but that he is alive. And there are literally hundreds of people who've seen him. I love that. Because there was no question in the mind of Luke There was no question in the mind of the disciples or any follower of Jesus that Jesus, who was once dead, is now alive. And they were witnesses to this very reality. Church, I want you to hear me. In all of our doctrine and theology, there is one central proof that validates it all. That there is still an empty grave over in Jerusalem this morning. And that Jesus is alive and well. It's not a hope so. It's not a maybe so. It's not a think so. It is a no so type of faith and reality to Luke as he writes this account to Theophilus. Jesus is alive. And I love this in verse three. And he spoke to them about the very kingdom of God. Now listen, if you study Jesus at all, if you've listened to any of his messages in the New Testament, you're gonna know that the kingdom of God was a very important theme for Jesus. He preached and he taught on it often. And as he began to teach that, here's what we begin to understand about the sovereignty of God. You ready? In its simplistic form, the sovereignty of God speaks to God's rule and reign over all creation and also over the human heart. That's the kingdom of God. We see that Acts chapter one, verse three starts out with the kingdom of God. And if you turn all the way to the end to chapter 28 and verse 13, you know what it ends with? The kingdom of God. Though you won't find the phrase a whole lot in the middle of Acts, the very central theme to Acts is the kingdom of God. Hey, by the way, believer, that is the very central theme to your life and mine. I jotted this down last night after the Vols won. I just felt so happy. And uh, so you're welcome. Thank you, Vols. Now it says this, you ready? I wrote down, if you're in Christ, you are in the kingdom of God. You serve at the pleasure of our king. You sit at his table. You are his inheritance and you share in his inheritance. Ladies, you are the daughter to the king. Men, you are the son to the king. You ready? You fall under his protection, his provision, and he is your salvation and your strength. Hey, listen, Acts begins and ends with the kingdom of God. And the very kingdom of God is lived out in every believer who names the name of Jesus Christ. Now watch this as um, Luke continues and what we find is an incredible sequel to the gospels. Remember, the book of Acts is a continuation of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And what we're doing is we're following along with this sequel, with this continuation of Jesus's work. Now watch this. On one occasion in verse four, while he was eating with him, can we just stop for a minute? Jesus was dead. He was in the ground. He was gone. And now in a matter of days, He's not just spiritual. Listen, in the flesh, he is eating with them. Can we stop for a moment and go, incredible? How many people do you know that were once dead who yet sit at your table and eat? And here is Jesus doing the very same thing. Watch what it says here. 
He was eating with them. He gave them this command. And note this very carefully. Do not leave Jerusalem. Where was Jerusalem? Right where they were. And Jesus goes on and says, do not leave Jerusalem. Now, I want to say something real quick. Jerusalem was ground zero for the salvation of the world. It was in Jerusalem that Jesus would die on the cross. But yet in Acts, we find it was in Jerusalem where the church would be given birth. We know this, Jerusalem's ground zero for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, but on and acts in the continuation, we know that it was Jerusalem where the rescue mission for all of humanity was launched, codenamed the gospel, and empowered by Jesus. Jerusalem is where they were, and Jesus comes to them and says, do not leave where you are. Something is missing. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Let me tell you an interesting note. You ready? During Jesus's ministry, we find that the Holy Spirit, there's no reference of the Holy Spirit being with anybody else. In fact, the only time we see the Holy Spirit is in the gospel of Luke chapter three, Jesus's baptism. It came down on him. It filled him as he returned from the Jordan in Luke chapter four. It led him both in and out of the wilderness again in chapter four, and it rested upon him in his sermon at Nazareth again in Luke chapter four. And so in the New Testament with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with Christ, but nowhere else to be seen. And yet we go on to the sequel We see the continuation of what Jesus does in Acts. And here's what we find, you ready? That the Holy Spirit is given to all believers in Christ. Notice what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 17. He says this, but very truly I tell you, it is, now church, this blows my mind. And I don't believe it half the time sometimes. I have to catch myself and place my faith in here. But Jesus says, surely I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. And he's talking about Acts chapter one. Unless I go away, the advocate, the paraclete, another name for the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Do you really believe that? Hey, do you really believe that it is better for Jesus to go away and for the Holy Spirit to come? Now listen, If I were to give you an option, church, you ready on this side? Physical Jesus, in the flesh. You could see him, you could hear him, you grab hold of him, and it's on this side, this is one of your options, and the other option is a physical Jesus where you you can't grab hold of him. You can't see him with your eyes, you can't hear him with your ears. The spiritual Jesus, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm with those of you guys who would say, you know what, I would just like to have physical Jesus. Give me physical, if I could just see him, oh, how strong my faith would be. If I could just grab a hold of him, my faith would be stronger than ever before. But then very quickly I'm reminded of the disciples who had physical Jesus. And think of the roughest chapters in their life, in Jesus' life. One of them who had physical Jesus betrayed him. Another denied him three times. And the others fell away that night and abandoned him in his darkest of hours. And I began to think, you know what? Maybe Jesus, in what he says in John 6, maybe there's something to that. It's better that I go away in the physical so that you can have what is spiritual and more powerful. 
It doesn't make sense to us, but it's the very teaching that we begin to see fleshed out in this sequel, in this continuation of Jesus' story. Now, Jesus said, it is for your good, it is better for you to have the Holy Spirit. And he, just, and he encouraged his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And I don't want you to miss this, church. You ready? In a sense, what Jesus is saying is this. I can't start the church without the Holy Spirit. And neither can you. What he's saying is this, that you cannot go on mission without the Holy Spirit. You can't work without him. You can't accomplish anything of value in my kingdom without him. In church, I want you to hear me. The gospel cannot work without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and guess what? Believer, neither can you. You and I are nothing without the Spirit of Christ living in and through us. We are nothing without him. And I think Jesus is reminding them in this very scene that is played out in this sequel, that without him, Without me in you, through the Holy Spirit, you are nothing. I think of the Holy Spirit. He's mentioned over 50 times in this book of Acts. In fact, oftentimes this book is referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. Really, its name should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And we find this, that he appears over 50 times. He is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I love that song in Toy Story. You got a friend in me. You know that song? Love that. You got, hey church, you ready? You have a friend in the very Holy Spirit of God. I begin to look through scripture and here's just the tip of the iceberg of what the Holy Spirit does in and through us in our lives. You ready? The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus, the word teaches us. It indwells us. He seals us. He fills us. He teaches us. He illuminates the word of God for us. He intercedes for us. He convicts us. He comforts us. He helps us. He heals us. He assists us and he advocates for us. And here's the deal. I could go all day for all that the Holy Spirit does in the heart and the life of the believer. But here's the picture that is painted in this sequel. You ready? That without the Holy Spirit, the gospel does not work in your life or through your life. The gospel simply does not work. And then watch what happens here as this plays out. Jesus says this, for John baptized with water, and he did, for the forgiveness and the repentance of sins, yet water was just at play. But when Jesus comes, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In a few days, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And in verse six, he says this, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Hey, listen, our faith our theology, our doctrines are full of some really good questions. I love talking about the end times. I love talking about the day that Jesus is gonna come back. I, I love, I wonder when. I love all the wonder, but I love what Jesus also does here in this sequel. Is that although this is a good question, an important question, this doesn't show a lack of faith, but an abundance of faith in even asking him, what Jesus does in this moment is he begins to focus the disciples in on what is the most important word. He's keeping the main thing, the main thing, and that is how in the Holy Spirit, the gospel will work in their lives 
and through their lives. He focuses them on the main thing. And watch what he says to them. Here's the answer to a better question. Jesus says, but you will receive power, Acts 1.8. I love that power in the Greek, it's dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from, right? But you will receive power. Hey, by the way, they've yet to have that power. They've yet to have the Holy Spirit indwell them. But he says, you know what? Suit up, it's coming. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The very thing missing in this story of the gospel right now is the Holy Spirit indwelling believers. It says this, and you'll be my witnesses. I love that word. In the Greek, it's martis. It's where we get our word martyr from. In a sense, Jesus is painting the picture of the very call he's putting on their life. And the only way that they can live a life for him is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, by the way, the only way that you can live with, through, for Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's what he's teaching them. You will be my martyrs. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they were at the moment, the very birthplace of the church. But watch this. And in all Judea and Samaria, the region, sur the region surrounding Jerusalem, and to the very ends of the earth. You know what I love about verse eight in Acts chapter one? You know what really it is? It is a blueprint for how the great commission of Jesus is accomplished. Remember the great commission of Jesus shortly after he rose from the grave? He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now wait, stop just for a moment. Remember how Jesus finished it. And surely I'm with you always to the very end. How is it that he's with us always if he goes back up into heaven? You ready? Through his Holy Spirit. The beauty of that promise is that Jesus continues to live in us through his Holy Spirit. And verse eight are the blueprints for the great commission of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28. Verse eight fleshes out how the great commission works in your life and my life. It is the continuation of the great commission of Jesus. And look at this in verse nine. And after he said this, and what a scene. He was taken up before their very eyes. I can imagine the heartbreak. I can imagine some of the emotions of that moment. That they lost him on the cross, but now he's alive again. They've spent 40 days with him. And now he gives his final challenge in Acts 1-8 and he's gone. A cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going. When suddenly, two men dressed in clothes stood, in white clothes, stood beside them. Hey, does this sound familiar? Luke chapter 24 at the tomb. We see an incredible scene unfold. Watch how the Bible, men of Galilee, these men said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. You know what? I love this passage talking of the ascension of Jesus Christ, because here's where we find the reminder that Jesus is coming again. It's a truth that we celebrate, and it's also a truth that creates momentum for you and I to carry out the Great Commission. It's, it creates momentum for you and I to not only see the gospel at work through the Holy Spirit in us, but the gospel at work through the Holy Spirit through us. Now, I want to make a note about the ascension. The ascension does not mean that Jesus is now absent but something even far better. 
that Jesus continues to accomplish his will and his work through the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. I love this in John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus was speaking of this very day in Acts, his ascension, and he said this to his disciples. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, the miracles, the incredible things that Jesus was a part of while he was here. And listen to what Jesus says. Another one of those moments, do you really believe him? But not only these, but they will do, Jesus says, even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, I just thought for a moment, here are just some of the things I remember Jesus doing. You ready? He turns water into wine. He casts out demons. He feeds thousands with just a couple loaves and a few fish, right? And he does it on multiple occasions. He walked on water, calmed the sea, and healed everything from the common cold to leprosy, withered trees by his touch, gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, speech to the mute, provided strong leads to the invalid, and raised the dead to life. And Jesus said this. You're not only going to do what I've done, but you're going to do even greater things. And in my heart, I just go, really? What are the greater things than those? A little girl who was once dead now lives. A man who has never seen now has sight, who's yet to hear now can hear. Those who could not walk now walk. What is better? What are greater things than those? And then all you have to do is look to the sequel, to the continuation. And we find out that there is something greater. And all those miracles in and of themselves are great. But the greater miracle, the greater things, is when a person who was dead in their sin is made alive in Jesus Christ through the gospel. That is the very greater things that Jesus speaks of in this passage. And you know what's amazing about this church? Is we begin to see something even more incredible about Acts. You ready? Just as Acts is a sequel or a continuation of all that Jesus began to do in the Gospels, you know we're finding out? That you and I are the sequel to what Jesus wants to do. Listen, church, you are the continuation of what Jesus began to do and to teach in the gospel accounts. You're not in the sequel. You are the sequel. You're not in some continuation. You are the continuation of what Jesus wants to do on this very planet, a part of his salvation plan to save humanity. And here's what we find in the book of Acts. That none of this can be accomplished without the Holy Spirit. If you and I want to see the gospel at work in us, it comes through Jesus' spirit in us, the Holy Spirit. If you and I want to see the gospel at work through us, it's through the very power of the Holy Spirit that we find here in Acts chapter 1. You know, in two Sundays, we are going to celebrate our birthday as a church, our first birthday. Um, we're getting close to a year since we launched, 
And man, I, I tell you what, I'm just amazed at all that God has done. As I look over our first year, I jotted some things down. I think, I thought of some really great things. The growth that we have seen spiritually and numerically. I, I think of the great groups that have been launched, the great generosity that's been had, the, great, the greatness of families coming together as believers, the great friendships that are being made, and the great feats that have been accomplished together. Those are great. But can I tell you the greater things? The greater things found in a man by the name of Danny, who was one of the workers at Hidden Mountain. And as we were training our team, Danny, uh, I'd never met him before, but he showed up on Easter Sunday, right before the service that night, and said, hey, uh, Pastor Anthony, he's an older man. He said, I've been diagnosed with lung cancer. And from what the doctors say, it's pretty bad. He says, I, I need Jesus. I need to be baptized. I need to follow him. And I remember we got to share the gospel with, with Danny. And I remember the celebration of, of what Danny knew Jesus to be in his life. And so we went down to a large cabin at Hidden Mountain to a big hot tub. And he wanted to follow the Lord in believer's baptism right away. I didn't have a change of clothes, so I just went in what I had on. And what's so funny is, is that I stepped in the hot tub, and when he stepped in, he fell. So he actually got baptized before I baptized him. And he took me out too, so I've been down twice now. And, but, but I'll never forget how beautiful that, that scene was that night, never forget. Well, the next morning, I was in scrubs, and that's a great mental picture, but my wife was fixing to have our, our son, and she was having a C-section. I was right outside the room, they were doing the epidural thing, which by the way, I would not survive even watching it. And I, I remember standing out there, and I've got my phone because I want to take some pictures and things. And, and Danny texts me. You see, the next morning after he um, was baptized, he was to go into the hospital for a biopsy to see what stage his cancer was. And he texted me. He said, Pastor Anthony, you won't believe this. I went in there and I had the chest x-ray so they could see where to guide the needle. And the doctors just told me they couldn't explain it. The cancer's gone. And you know what I remember thinking outside that room in those scrubs, which by the way, they don't make my size ever. And uh, I remember thinking, this is, this, is this is great. Church, I want you to hear me. The greater things was not that in a moment Danny was healed of cancer. The greater things was the day that Jesus took him from death to life in him. It's the greater things. I, I remember... My wife, uh, talk about a great thing. She had an appendectomy. That's not great, um, but way better for her than me. She's so much stronger than I am. And she was having an appendectomy this past year. And um, surgery went great. She was in the holding room. She came back to the room. She was still kind of out. Well, an 80-plus-year-old lady was brought into the emergency room, advanced bone cancer. Her name, Ernestine. And she'd had a pretty bad fall. So I'm sitting there, Aaron's kind of waking up, and one of the head nurses comes over and says, hey, Anthony, could you, uh, could you run over to the emergency room? There's a lady who has cancer. She's fallen. It doesn't look good. And her family says she doesn't know Jesus. They're afraid she doesn't know him. Would you go over there and share the gospel? And I thought, man, absolutely. I'd be honored to. So we walked pretty quickly over to the emergency room, and here is this elderly lady, Ernestine, who's laying in the bed. I've never met her before, but I knew her daughter's. And they didn't know I was there, but I had opportunity and I, I hugged the daughters and I said, hey, listen, do you mind if I share the gospel with your mom? 
said no. So I got in the doctor's chair, and the doctors and nurses were so kind. They stayed right outside the room and just watched. And I rubbed her head, and I said, hey, Miss Ernestine. I said, my name's Anthony, and, and, and I'm, a, I'm a believer in Jesus, right? I'm a Jesus follower. And I just, I'm so sorry you're going through this. And I know you're in a lot of pain. I said, but do you mind if I just share the good news of Jesus with you for a minute? And with blood running down her head, she looked up at me. She said, yes, please. And I shared the gospel with her of God's love for her. And do you know that that lady, Miss Ernestine, gave her heart and her life to Jesus there in her emergency room bed? And you know what's amazing? They didn't know that she would ever leave the hospital but she went on to live for months and months after that day. And I remember hearing those reports and thinking, oh, how great is it that she didn't die in the hospital that day, that she got to go home and be with her family. But hear me, the greater things of that day was not that she got to go home to the hospital. The greater things is that Ernestine in her 80s, dying of cancer, gave her heart and her life to Jesus. Those are the greater things that Jesus said we'd be a part of. In the earlier service, um, Seth, and you've heard a lot about his story, was sitting right back here. Today's his birthday. A month ago, he collapsed with a cardiac event that kills most everybody it touches at a young age. Man, never seen anybody in worse shape in a hospital. We, we, were, we were ready for the worst. Listen, even though the doctors thought there was brain damage and death and all of these things, that boy got up and walked out of the hospital just a few days later. Unbelievable. And I looked over at Seth in the nine o'clock and I said, Seth, you know what? What a great day it was. I'll never forget just weeping how grateful I was that boy was alive. How excited I was about what God had done. But even for Seth, if he were to stand up in this service today, you know what he would tell you? Hey, that was a great thing, but the greater thing was the day where Jesus didn't just heal me in a moment, but he healed me for all of eternity. The best day, the greater day was the day that Jesus saved me and brought me from death in my sin to life in him. You see, those are the greater things. Felicia, that not even fires can destroy. Right? The greater things of what Jesus offers. We have a mama, a single mama in here, whose apartment on Old Knoxville Highway went up in smoke a couple days ago. And you know what? She's one of the strongest women I know. But you know part of the greater things even in her life, isn't it, Felicia, that even if a house burns, Jesus is still with us in his spirit. Guys, these are the greater things that Jesus alluded to, that Jesus taught. The greater things that is the gospel at work in us through his spirit and through us, through his spirit. And I guess my question is, is, is the gospel at work in your life through the Holy Spirit? Is it at work in your life? Now, you might sit here and go, you know what, Anthony, I love him, but I mean, I just don't sense it very much. I'm not really seeing it active in my life. And you know what happens? Sometimes we go through seasons of sin. Man, it just... And the gospel work in us just seems so far off. Maybe the truth is, is you've been through a season of hurt or disappointment. And at times, that could, that could throw off the sensing that the gospel is at work in our lives. I, I don't know what your story is, but can I tell you something as we look at the sequel in Acts? You are the sequel. 
And no matter what you've been through, no matter what you are, the Holy Spirit, Jesus in you, wants to work the gospel in your life. Even in a life that's filled with bad news. Your house is on fire and everything's gone. Someone you love just collapsed. Your partner for how many years has walked away? Even in the midst of so much bad news, remember, at its very heart, the word gospel is good news. And that is Jesus in us always. And Steve, you know what? I even think when all the doctors say all the scary things, it seems like it's a whole different day. He's still at work in us through the gospel. I wonder this too. If you ever have the thought, why is it so important that the gospel works in us? You ready? So that the gospel can work through us for the hundreds of names that are in this box. If you weren't with us last week, you have a, a bookmark at your seat. And I wanna challenge you to do so. I want you to grab that bookmark. If you weren't with us last week or last Wednesday, and I want you to write in two places the name of someone you, don't, you know that doesn't know Jesus. This is the Who's Your One campaign. Who's, the one per, who's your Theophilus for the next year that you're gonna commit to love and to serve, that you're gonna commit to build friendships with, to have spiritual conversations with and invite them to follow Jesus. And if you didn't do this with us last week, then once we're done today, I want, and I saw a dozen or so people in the earlier service do this, just come up here and drop their name. But I want you to hear me. There are literally hundreds of names in this box. And you know how important it is for the gospel to work in you? So that the gospel can work through you and reach these people who don't know him. How important is the Holy Spirit works the gospel in you? so that the Holy Spirit can work the gospel through you to the many Theophiluses there are in this box. But you know what's amazing about this challenge today? In all actuality, it really is your choice. You could say no to God, and you could stop the sequel right there. You can stop the continuation of what Jesus began to do and teach right now today for you. But can I tell you the, the even greater joy and the even greater things of that is if you will say, you know what? Jesus, have your way in me. And Holy Spirit, work the gospel in my life and through my life. Then you know the promise of Jesus? That you and I will do even greater things than he did while he was on earth. It's hard to wrap your mind around but you know what? It's even harder to live life without seeing those greater things. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.